Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today's episode 174, and we're going to be interviewing Shelby. How are you doing today, Shelby? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm all excited to do this as usual. So let's start up. As I mentioned before, we're going to talk about your childhood. So tell me about growing up. How was it? Um, so growing up, um, my mom got married when I was like two to this guy and he became my stepdad. They was together until 99. Things in the house seemed pretty good. It was normal. It was comfortable in 99. What happened they, to your dad? Where did dad go? Um, my dad was never around. Um, he never was in the picture. I never knew who he was until I was like 10. Okay. So, um, my mom was with my stepdad and like I said, they split up in 99 and that's when things started to get crazy for me. Um, do you have good memories of your stepdad? Um, yes and no. Um, I have good memories from a young age, but the older I got, the worse they got. What kind of bad things do you remember? Um, he used to sexually abuse me. Um, he would rape and molest me. He was my emergency contact for school. So when I would get in trouble in school for having cigarettes or having pills or whatever, he would be the one to come get me. And he would take me to my mom like, hey, I just picked her from school. They called. And um, he was like, well, I'm going to take her with me and she's going to be on punishment. So I'm going to make her work with me. And he told my mom that he was doing odd and construction jobs. But it was never that I was always being sexually abused. Um, I remember one time um, he I was staying the night with him and he was like, if you give me oral sex, I'll let you smoke weed. And I'm like, no, I'm scared. I don't want to get addicted. I don't want to do this. And um, he manipulated me into it. So I ended up doing it and I didn't end up smoking the weed um you did end up smoking the weed or you didn't no I didn't um so then after that incident happened I remember I was hanging out with some older kids than me and they wanted to smoke weed so I'm like I know where to get it so I called because I thought it was okay because he had offered it to me and I was trying to get some for my friends and I got in trouble and he came over and whipped me and um this went on for a couple of years with him um, he gave me my first orgasm and so like even to this day like I still struggle with um, resentments and feelings and emotions um, what so, age were you so this was all under 10 years old yeah so um, so young it's, it's mm-hmm. I hear about these things and I can't imagine you girls are brave you know to go through that come out the other end and be able to talk about it. Uh, I, I don't like asking too many questions about it, but you seem like a strong gal, you know, to be once again willing to speak about this stuff, you know, good for yeah, you for I being was, strong. Thank you. I was actually sexually abused by four different family members growing up. Who um, else? Um, my mom's stepdad's brother. Um, so me and my cousins would go with him he would take his fishing and he would buy his alcohol and let us smoke cigarettes and he pampered me a little more because I was his favorite so he he would take me shopping and buy me clothes and shoes and things and um he would just molest me you know he would want to fondle my boobs and he would want me to touch him and um it was it was 
and when I came out about it and I was trying to tell everybody like this is what's happening it was made to be a lie I was like I'm not the only one he's doing it to the other kids too and the other kids denied it um and what's so crazy for me with him is he sexually abused my mother when she was a child too so in my mind if you know this man violated you how could you allow him around your child it doesn't make no sense and even being almost 30 years old like I still can't fathom that thought Um, did your mom did your mom have addiction issues um yes um she used to do meth but it was like once I was out of the house because I ended up going to foster care when I was like 12 so um then like that's when she started doing drugs and stuff I wasn't really around so I'm not sure exactly how bad her addiction really got um and then my mom had a boyfriend and so my mom like when my mom and my stepdad split up my mom like mentally checked out like she was just done she was just a person on earth and she hopped from one toxic relationship to another toxic relationship um her boyfriends would be real controlling she would just sleep all the time and they would just pretty much run the household and um so with her one boyfriend he he was like super controlling I wasn't allowed to do anything I wasn't allowed to go anywhere if I did I had to take my baby brother and so I was like my baby brother's mom so he was like my first kid And um, I remember being in fourth grade and having to go to school, come home, cook, clean, take care of him and do my homework and do all the chores in the house. Um, But this boyfriend, um, he would wrestle with me, as he used to call it. And um, we was wrestling around one day and he stuck his hand up my shirt and, and touched my breast. And I'm like, no, but don't do that. And he was like, it's fine. It's okay. And he like brushed under the rug. And as time went on, things progressed more. And um, he would come in my room every night before I would go to sleep and fondle me and make me touch him as well. Uh, my mom walked in one night and he had me on the edge of the bed with my legs spread open and he was standing between my legs and my mom's like what's going on and he's like nothing we're just playing and my mom turned and walked out and um so when that happened my, my mom had walked out like he was just done he came back later that night and um finished doing what he was doing he had had me up so late that he said I didn't have to go to school and he just told my mom like oh she's been sick all night and brushed it under the rug um and I reported it once and they removed me from the home temporarily and my mom and he him came up the agreement that they was going to split up and he wasn't going to be around and then it came to he would only come around once I was in bed and I was asleep because he wasn't doing those things so if he avoided me he couldn't be accused um so that lasted for a couple months and then he started coming around all the time again and he picked up right where he had left off at like it was just normal and so we was being evicted from our apartment that we lived in and um we didn't have nowhere to go he he still lived with his mom 
So we moved in with him in a um, house that was not fit for any humans to live in. Um, there was feces, um, rats, trash. It was just a disgusting place. And my mom, him, and my brother and I, we shared a room. And so my mom went to get in the shower one day. And when she did, he started following me again. He was like, we got to hurry because your mom's going to be up here. And um, it was it was just traumatizing to have to know that I wasn't safe nowhere with anyone. So now I have severe trust issues being an adult with just everybody. And then the last person that sexually violated me was... Um, my cousin through marriage. So when I was growing up, I was really poor. I didn't have anything. Um, I didn't know what I was going to eat, wearing dirty clothes to school. I was always made fun of. I was the outcast. And um, so my cousin and her husband, like, kind of try to step up to the plate to help a little bit. And they would, like, buy, they would buy my school clothes, and I would go with them every weekend. They would take me on vacations and things like that. And for as far back as I can remember, I always resented her husband. I didn't know why. I was always uncomfortable. I didn't like him. And uh, one night, I was staying the night, and she was at work. Me and my baby brother was there. And she was at work and they only had one TV in their house and it was in their room. So I was in there and he was like, let's play a game. Let's play seven minutes in heaven. And um, so we started playing it and then his wife called. Nothing really happened in the beginning because his wife had called. So like, I'm like, okay, this is, this is my time to make a run for it. So I'll be safe. So I left and I went to go get in the shower while he was on the phone with his wife and when he got off the phone, he came in the bathroom, and I remember I was standing in front of the mirror, and he came up and put his hands around my chest, and he started playing with my nipples, and he was like, these are going to get darker as you get older, and da-da-da-da-da, and he watched me while I bathe, and so it was like Memorial Day weekend, and so we was on break or whatever for school, and I had stayed with them, and this I'd stayed with them after that event had happened. And I did Let me not. Ask you a question: What, what do yes. you think would have happened if you said no to these things? If you just, if you just for some reason were to turn around and say no, what do you think would you would have done? Um, I think it still would have happened. Would have forced it. Yeah. Because I had said no before, and it was just like, it's it's okay, it's fine. Like, they, they justified it to make it seem like it was a normal thing. So you just didn't know any better at that point? Right, because I was young, and like I said, my mom was checked off, so I never really had anyone to be there and show me the proper way of how to, you know what I'm saying, like, live and do things, and what's okay and what's not okay, because at a very young age, like I remember I would go to church every weekend, um, every Sunday, and I would do Bible studies on Wednesday, and in my mind and stuff, I was like, sex is sacred, it needs to be safe for marriage, it's something special for your husband, and once I started getting violated, that sense completely left me, like I, I, I became 
sexually active with people. I was flirting with other people and acting out in ways that I had no business acting out at that young of an age. Um, so like I said, I was staying with him that week with him and his wife that weekend and she was there and I had to um, go back to my mom and her boyfriend's house. And as I said, the house was just disgusting. There was a foster home that lived next door and I went to school with them kids and they made fun of me and picked on me and everything. So I just didn't want to be there. And when his wife was there, I knew I was safe. So um, they took me to my mom. And I was like, I don't want to be here. It's nasty. I don't want to stay here. I want to go back with my cousin. So um, he was like, no, you're not going. And I said, well, I'm telling he was like, you're not going to tell. <clears throat> well, I ended up telling again. And so the police came. And when I got to the police station, they started questioning me. Um, and at the end of the questioning about him, they was like, has anybody else ever sexually abused you? And I came out and I told about everyone. And my cousin's husband had kept a journal from the night when he had molested me. She had apparently known about it and um, didn't do anything about it. So I never knew about the journal until after the fact, um, at the, after the police station, he had left from the police station and went and got the journal and brought it back. And um, they yet again removed me from the home and so my mom had moved from there and moved in with her ex-husband's mother. And um, at this point, I done became fast. You know, um, I was doing anything and everything. I was, I was smoking weed. I was drinking. I was hanging out with teenage boys, ripping and running, just living my best life. So I thought. Um, and how old were you? was probably I'm gonna say maybe so I went back I got out of foster care and went back home but at that first that that second time I went to foster care I think I was only like maybe 11 um so like everything like happened so quickly in such a quick time span um so we're staying there and um I got to go to school. I don't want to go to school because now I'm in this rebellious stage. Like, I don't care what y'all want. I'm going to do what Shelby wants. So I would have to walk to the bus stop and I'd be like, oh, I missed the bus. And the, the school wasn't in walking distance. So I, I knew that I couldn't go to school because my parent, my mom didn't have transportation. And my grandmother was um, physically disabled. So I had to take care of her a lot. And... Um, while I'm there, me and her get in an argument because I didn't do something she wanted me to do. And she called me a bitch and she's like, get out of my house and leave. So I, I left and I was hanging out with some friends from school and there was this car that had went by and I had three or four men in it. I was with my two friends and their mom and they was hollering at us. And like I said, I was fast and, it, and I, I showed them my breasts like it was normal, you know, like um and so they ended up pulling they did a couple more rounds and they they pulled over and we was talking they're like well we're having a party here tonight you can come bring your friends so I'm like okay cool free alcohol and attention I'm in 
So I go and I end up drinking and they have these morphine patches, but they was like, no, you can't do those. So I, I didn't do any of them. But I remember I had sex with this guy who was probably 40 years old. And like I said, I was only like 11 or 12. My God. And I'm thinking I'm in love because, you know, he's giving me money. He's buying me cigarettes. He's buying me alcohol and he's showing me attention. So to me, I'm like, oh, I got a winner, you know, and um, he wasn't from here. He was from Indiana. And um, so he had to go back to Indiana and I'm like, okay, I'm running away. I'm going with you. So one of the girls ended up running away with me and we both went to Indiana with him, his brother and his mom. And they put out an Amber Alert and he was like, we got to take you back. We got to take you back. So um, he brought me back. And, you know, like I said, my grandmother had kicked me out of her house. So that included my mom and my brother. So we were staying in the hotel, which there was a bar down below. And um, I was allowed in the bar. They would serve me drinks and things like that. And so when I got brought back to Ohio, um, I went to my real dance. And this is like when I really began to know my, I really didn't even know him. Like I knew of him, but I went to my real dance because I, one, he was a deadbeat. So I didn't think he would care. He wouldn't tell nothing and things like that. So I'm there and I'm like, okay, I got to get out of here. The police are going to be here. I just know it. So the girl that I ran away with, she called her grandmother to come get us. And she came and got us. And on our way to our grandmother's house, we got pulled over. And so they arrested me and the girl. And they took us to the police station. And our parent, my mom showed up and her dad showed up. And children's services got involved yet again. And... um they had an emergency court hearing the next day and they removed me and my brother both from my mom. Um, so we was in foster care for like two years and we got out of like, so my mom had finally started to try to get herself together. She got a job. She got a place to live. She was maintaining the jobs and visitations with me and my brother. And um, so while I'm doing visitations, the same guy that I ran away with, it um, I can't come to find out was my little brother's dad's cousin. So, um, you know, my mom knew about him. I'm like, I love him. Da, 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 da. And my mom let me call him and let him come over and meet me and let me have sex in her house with him. And she knew the age difference. So it was like, my mom was a, fr a friend more than anything when I came home from foster care because. Um, so you're real quick. Your mom didn't care that this person was 30 years older than you. No, no, my mom did not care. Um, me and him had sex on her on her couch and she was in her bedroom. Um, and, and she knew like she knew that's why he was coming over and she was just OK with it. Um, I mean pardon my language that's fucking terrible yeah um i figured we're allowed one f-bomb an episode so that was the one <laughs> so like i said i was in the foster care for two years i'm doing visitations with my mom and they finally re replaced us back with my mom and there's a um 
a transitional living program where, I, where I'm from. And it was like um, people, people over 18 to like 21 could come there and they could work and get housing. And it wasn't far from my mom's. And it was always, anytime I left my mom's, I passed the place. And um, so the, like I said, I was fast. So I dressed fast. So I wore the short shorts, the tank tops, you know, just doing the most. And I drew these, boy, these boys' attention. And they started coming over to my house every night. We would drink together. We would smoke together. Um, I had sex with a couple of them. My mom was even having sex with them. And my mom was the one buying alcohol. Like they would bring the money. My mom would go to the liquor store. So my house was just like the party house. So me and my mom, like I said, my mom was more as more like a friend. And I feel like part of that is she was parenting out of guilt. Like she was just trying to find a way to make right for all the wrongs that had happened in my life but what she didn't doesn't and I don't even know if she realizes it now but that was just messing me up more that was more traumatic events even though it didn't seem traumatic when I look back at it I I regret those things because as I as I grew older it made me a different person so um you know, my mom still does the whole toxic relationship stuff. She had been talking to a guy in prison and me and my brother, I just came home from foster care. And when we came home, my mom was at work one day and a guy knocks at the door. I don't know who he is. He's like, and then I open the door. He's like, can I come in? I'm like, no, I don't know you. He was like, well, my name's such and such. I'm your mom's boyfriend. I call my mom. I'm like, mom, there's some guy here. She's like, oh yeah. Okay. So he came back, he left and he came back later. And, um, as I said, my brother was like my first kid. So I was protective over him. And, so he had came back when my mom came home from work and he'd stayed the night and him and my mom was in the kitchen making out and my brother came in and I was like this is inappropriate don't be doing this in front of him like he don't need to be exposed to stuff like this and my mom's sister was there may she rest in peace she was like you're just jealous because he don't want you da 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 I'm like whatever and I got in trouble for trying to stand up for my brother um so my mom that that didn't last long you know like she just jumped from one I don't even I don't even think they're relationships they're more like situationships to whoever appeases her needs and um she was dating another guy and she took my brother with her one night and left me at home by myself and you know, as I said, I was, I was smoking weed and stuff and I was hanging out with the neighbors. So I went over to the neighbors one night and I was smoking weed with them. And after I smoked weed, I got sick. I I think it was laced with something, but I was puking. I was not in the right state of mind. And, um, so after I was done getting sick, I, I went and laid in my mom's bed and it was on the first floor. And somehow the curtains that came down, which is really blankets because we was too poor to even afford curtains. And um, I remember looking up out the window and there was a guy standing there and um, and I knew who this guy was and I, I knew his reputation. Um, he had a reputation for molesting 
and raping young girls. So I was scared. I called my aunt and my uncle and I'm like, um, I, I got to come over there. He, he keeps coming by my window. I feel uncomfortable. So I, I walk from my mom's house to my aunt and uncle's and I'm on the phone with them the whole time. And I tell them like, I smoked some weed. It was bad. Something happened. I just, I just don't know. So the next morning comes and my mom was supposed to take my brother to school and she didn't. So, um, it's probably like 12, one o'clock in the afternoon. And I finally, um, my aunt and uncle take me to my mom's and, um, my mom had called them a couple times, but it was never to see where I was at. I don't even remember what she wanted when she called. So I rode with them to my mom's and I stayed in the vehicle. I was out there probably 20 minutes and they was in the house and I see my brother outside playing. So I'm already mad because my brother's not in school. And um, I was doing homeschooling at this time. So um, my uncle comes back out to the truck about 20 minutes later. And I'm like, does she even ask about me? He was like, no. Um, so I instantly got angry and furious. Um, I've been gone. You don't know how long I've been gone. You haven't tried to call me. You're not questioning where I'm at. So I go in and I'm and I'm in a tansy and I'm arguing with her. And I'm like, you couldn't even take him to the bus stop to take him to school. You know, you, they've already been here because you don't take him to school. They already sent letters home, all that. And you couldn't even walk to the bus stop, but you could go be with your boyfriend. And um, me and hers arguing. And um, she looked at me and she's like, hit me, bitch. And I'm like, what? She said it to me three times, and the third time I hit her. And you know, when I did, she stood up and she elbowed me in my mouth, busted my mouth open. And I spit in her face, and I told her, I'm like, you're dead to me. So I went upstairs to my room, because I tried to leave out the front door. She wouldn't let me go out the door. And um, so I ran upstairs to my room, and I pulled my screen out my window, and I was trying to jump out my window. I locked my bedroom door. And um, she's like, open the door, open the door. I'm like, no. I was like, I'm leaving. I'm going out the window. So my uncle came to the door and he was like, Shelby, just calm down. You know, I was trying to leave. I didn't want to be there. Like, you're worthless to me. So I was like, no, come catch me out the window. So he ran down the steps and ran out the front door. And he was like, Shelby, please don't jump. Please don't jump. Um, eventually, I was finally able to get out of my bedroom door and I left. And um, maybe about a week, two weeks later, children's services come knocking on our door from that county. And they're like, well, we got a report of a physical altercation where you hit each other. And I'm like, okay. You know, now I'm scared because like I'd only been back with my mom maybe two or three months. And even though things was chaotic and things like that was still my mom so I, I, I had love for her and um, I didn't want to be away from her but now that I sit here and I talk about it I think it was just more of a comfortability thing for me like being around her was just comfortable I know I could get away with whatever and I could do whatever I wanted and there would be no consequences and I knew if I went back to foster care I'm gonna have these rules I'm gonna have to go to school I'm gonna have to do all this stuff that I don't have to do now so um they removed me and my brother from her from her custody and they placed me with my aunt and my uncle. Um, 
you know, and they're not the cleanliest of people. They have like five chihuahuas. They they use the bathroom in the house. So there's stuff all over the house. They um been lived, moved in the house, but they never unpacked. So there was a whole room full of boxes. So children's services came in and gave them a checklist. Like, you need to do this. This is a fire hazard. You got to clean this up. This isn't safe living. And um, they gave them probably a month or so. And nothing really changed. So children's services came. It was after hours. Um, children's services and a sheriff came to their house. And um, they was like, we're taking you to foster care. And I'm like, no, I told the caseworker, like, I'm going to blow your house up with you and your kids in it. I hate you. I'm not going nowhere. Um, so let me ask you a question. Going through all of this must have been extremely, extremely difficult for you. What age did your drug use start? Honestly, my, I mean, I smoked weed here and there. Um, and yeah, I you mentioned that. But I never really did drugs until I became, like, my first real drug I did was heroin. Um, I didn't do pills. I skipped all that. Like, um, only thing I, like I said, the worst I did was smoke weed and drink. That was it. Okay. So they placed the first time we was in foster care. Me and my brother was in foster care. We lived together for the whole two and a half years. So um, the second trip, they split us up. Um, I went to Hawking County. He went to Jackson County, and um, I wanted to be with him because, like I said, like I've been around him his whole life. Like I was like his mom. He was like my other half to me, and um, it, it didn't happen that way. So. Yet again, we're in the system almost two years, and I was probably 13, 14, maybe 15, and um, we're in the system two years, so now my mom loses full custody of me and my brother, and, you know, um, I was like, yeah, I was like 15 when I was 16, yeah, and so we did our goodbye visit with my mom, and that was like my goodbye visit with my brother, too because they had it separated um and they had talked to me before like if I wanted to go up for adoption and I was like no because I knew as being an older child nobody would want to adopt an older kid um so they um ended up placing my brother up for adoption and um I was hysterical so when I first went so when I first, the second time I went to foster care, um, when me and my brother were split up, I lived with this lady and, um, I hated labels. Like I just, I, even to this day, I still don't like them. Like I don't, I didn't call on my, my foster mom. Like that was my mom. Um, I lived with her for maybe a year and a half and, um, she said I was acting I was acting like a bitch and I took it offense and I'm like you call me a b I'm I'm calling to services I'm telling on you I'm leaving I'm not staying here um and I went to school well when I got home from school children services was there I didn't call them she called and told them like I'm done just remember she don't want to be here no more so I moved to my um next foster home and um I was doing these classes um through children's services like it was a great incentive thing 
And so I was went to one of them, the caseworker told me like, so we're placing your brother up for adoption. He's probably going to be adopted out of the States. Um, uh, I control issues. I probably still have them today. So I was like, no, that can't happen. Um, and so the foster parents that I was with at that time, they had a, a, a friend and they had just got their foster license and they couldn't get a placement for nothing. And um, like I kind of grew to know them a little bit. So I, I felt comfortable with them. So I called them and um, I was like, I have, a, I have a huge favor to ask. Like I have a little brother and they're trying to adopt him out of state. And I know you guys are looking for a kid and I would love for you guys to have him so that I can see him. I can know how he's doing. Um, and they agreed to that. Um, so they took my brother and uh, I got to see him a little bit more regularly because they, like I said, they was friends. Um, so like when I first got to this foster home with her, with them, well, with this last family, um, they was cool. I was allowed to smoke. I, I, I could buy my own, I give them money. They buy my cigarettes and all that. So at, so I was their first placement and then they got another placement and, um, it was two sisters. Well, um the one was pregnant it was the, the the mom of the family like started splitting everything up like um she knocked it down that we could only have five cigarettes a day um she started being more controlling trying to tell me what to wear it was fall she said I needed to put on a winter coat and just little things like that I was just like over it and I was just done so when I turned 18 so before I turned 18 um you know I was going back to church and stuff and I'd also went to school with her nephew and I went to church with him. So like me and him started dating and um, it got serious quickly with him. Like he was the first person that I'd found that actually treated me right. Like he respected me. He wasn't into the fast life. <coughs> he didn't smoke. He didn't drink. He didn't do none of that. So, uh, you know, because of the fact that they was family, I was allowed to be around him. I was allowed, we was together for family functions, Christmas, Thanksgiving, all the holidays. And um, so when I turned 18, um, I turned 18 in December. And by January, I, I'd done topped out the foster home. I was like, I'm done. I'm sick of you telling me how to live, how, how to do this or how to do that. And um, so I was... I, I ended up leaving the foster home and I went and lived with their nephew and his mom and dad. And it created a divide in the family. And when I did that, they had told my brother's new parents to not let me see him because I was doing bad. But I, was, I, I, I hadn't even started to really um, dive into my addiction and, um, you know, I was still going to school. I graduated. I'm the first person in my family who graduated. Graduate high school? Yeah. I was a licensed cosmetologist before I even graduated. Um, so it was like Valentine's Day, and we, there was a church event for Valentine's Day. And my old foster parents had my brother there. So when I walked in, my brother seen me. He ran up to me and gave me a hug. And um, he was like, sissy, I love you. And I was holding him, and I was hugging him. Oh, sorry. Um, and that's the last time I got to see him. 
Um, my foster parents, my old foster parents was like, you need to stay away from him. Um, so my, my little brother had some like mental issues. Like he, um, like age four, he was in a, a mental hospital. Um, he had pushed a kid out in front of a car trying to kill the kid. He pushed a baby. Um, he had extreme anger issues. Um, so the foster parents and my foster parents had, I guess, came up with this idea. I don't know if it's true or not, but they was like, anytime he sees you, he starts to act out. He starts misbehaving and things like that. And they was like, and he said that you told him Chucky was going to get him. And I was like, I never said that. So we're at this church function and they're like, get away from me. And um, I'm ready to fight all of them. Like, this is my brother. Like, this is my blood. Like, how are you going to tell me I can't be around him? This is a public function. He came up to me. And um, so his foster parents ended up showing up a little bit later. And they was like, we just don't think it's healthy for him to see you right now and things like that. So um, that was the last time I got to see him. So um, then I graduated high school in May in 2011. And so before I graduated, like, my boyfriend and his parents and my old foster, like, my boyfriend's family had, like, disowned my foster parents for all the stuff that was going on because they seen how controlling the mom was. Like, she wasn't even just over controlling over me. She was controlling over her husband, over every aspect of life. Like, she just tried to lay the hammer down on what she said. That's what it was. You couldn't say anything different. So, um, graduated high school, me and him got engaged. We plan on getting married, um, August 27th and, um, of the following year, um, Christmas comes. So like I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cosmetologist. I'm working full-time in a salon and mine and his relationship has just become boring to me. Like we don't go out, we don't do anything. Like he works, I work and I'm a, we're at home. That's it. Like we're barely seeing each other. So I had this guy come in, he was like, um, I was doing his hair and he was flirting with me and I gave him my number. And um, he had a girlfriend and I didn't know, but the girlfriend was a friend of the family and she seen my name in his phone and my number and she told his dad, my, my boyfriend's dad, <clears throat> well, my fiance's dad. My fiance came and asked me and I like, I tried to lie about it. I'm like, no, I was like, um, I just texted him. I said, I've only seen him one time. That was at the gas station. We've never done nothing. We've never been anywhere together. I've never been to his house or anything like that. And so me and him ended up breaking up. And, um, so during this breakup, you know, like seeing what my mom did, jumping from one relationship to another was normal. You know, it was okay. So, um, me and him broke up and I was on Facebook and I, somebody, uh, this guy that I used to uh, mess with when I was a kid, um, you know, me and him dated or whatever. And he messaged me on Facebook, like, hey, how are you? And he told me all these white lies and um, like he had his own business. He was doing this and he was doing that. And um, so he came and got me like the next night and I went with him to his parents' house and um, I had to work at six o'clock in the morning because I started working at a nursing home. And he took me back to my 
to my fiance's house, but you know, me and my fiance wasn't together no more. I went to work that morning when I, uh, when I got off work, he was messaging me like, Hey, I'm coming down that way. Um, you want to hang out? I'm like, sure. You know, so I'm hanging out with him. And next thing I know, he's talking me into going to Columbus with him. And I'm like, okay. I was like, but I just got to work in the morning. Like I have to be there. He was like, okay, I got you. Well, (laughs) I never went back to that job. Um, so I'm staying with him and his sister. And like I said, he had told me these lies, like he had his own business, his house, his car, like, you know, and, um, none of it was true. So I'm staying with him and his sister and, um, he gets jealous because his sister is like becoming my friend. She takes me to get my nails done. And frankly, he's just looking, he, um, just looking for any reason at all to just leave the situation or to create a problem. So we ended up leaving his sisters and we went to stay with his mom and dad. So we're staying with his mom and dad for a while. And then we come back to Columbus and I get my first place um, ever in my name. And, you know, this is my first place. I'm proud of it, you know, and um, I'm cleaning every day. I'm I'm trying to work. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to live a normal life. And um, he exposes me to heroin. I was having really bad cramps and he was like, here, try this. I'm like, okay. Cause I didn't know what it was because where I was from, like, I never seen stuff like that. I never heard about it. Didn't know anything about it. How did you take it? Um, I snorted it. He made it into a mud puddle and I snorted it. And I remember that feeling. I, was, I, I felt so good. I was like on another cloud, another planet. And, um, it didn't become an addict- addictive thing. Um, but as, as time went on, like he started doing heroin and started having it around, all the money started going to it. And um, he was hanging out with drug dealers. And one of them wanted him to crook, cook some crack for him. And um, he did well. He started smoking the crack. And I'm like, I just don't get it. I'm like, let me try it. He's like, no, you can't. Um. So now heroin has become an everyday thing. And uh, now he's slowly starting to smoke crack. And now it becomes a more predominant issue, just like the heroin. Eventually, he lets me start smoking it with him. Um, this house that I was so proud of um, quickly got turned upside down and became a trap house. He was letting people come in and sell drugs. Um you know, the police was knocking on my door. There was cameras all around my house, inside, outside. Um, so the dealers could watch for the cops. Um, he had threw a bag of trash out the window of the house and the cops seen it. And, you know, like I said, the cops is already trying to monitor the house. So they arrested him. He went to, they, they took him down to booking. And uh, later that night, he ended up getting out. Um... And just things kept getting worse, you know. Now, next thing I know, there's guns inside my house. There's people telling me where I can where I can sleep, where I can be, what I can eat. And I'm just, and you know, I'm not from the city. I'm from the country. So like this whole thing is just completely different to me. And it was like um, I couldn't have a voice because if I had a voice, they would pull guns on me, you know. And um, I was I was very scared and intimidated. Um, so because of the addiction got so bad, like 
we lost everything. You know, the, the bills quit getting paid. There was no eating, breaking into people's houses, breaking into their cars, um, just doing anything and everything to get money, uh, jumping in and out of um, like donation boxes and they're breaking into people's breaking into people's houses and stealing stuff and going around to the dope man and selling it over to them or they got a couple other people they can go sell stuff to and um so the rent didn't get paid and we got evicted so when we finally moved out because of the eviction he set the house on fire <laughs> um and we went and stayed with his other sister and she knows like that we both got an addiction she has two daughters she's pregnant with the son and um you know things are kind of getting better because I, I'm trying to quit using I, I don't want to use no more but he's still using um and she just gets sick of it like you guys gotta go so one of the old houses where he used to buy dope from um we went to stay there. Well, SWAT had just hit um, within that week. All the windows was busted out. The house had bed bugs. There was blood on the floor from where they shot the dog um, and all that. And um, me and him getting an argument because um, one of my coworkers had texted me or something. Or me and him was an or me and him was in an argument, and he was like, "I'm gonna go back to my ex girlfriend where it's a T bone in the background." I said, "Okay, go," and I started texting one of my coworkers. So me and him end up in an all out argument, and I I called him a name, and when I called him this name, he came over and he hit me almost out of my face and blacked my other eye. And at that point, I was done. Uh, I'm leaving. I don't want to do this no more. Um, it's, it's not safe. So um, I I call my old foster mom because she had lived in the city where I was now at and um I was like can you come get me like I'm done I'm I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and he came in and he snatched my phone from me and he took and he hit it so I couldn't get in touch with her and he was like I'm sorry it'll never happen again um you know you know the lies they tell you you know just to manipulate you into staying yeah. like I'm sorry you know bringing this and that to make up for it and I, like I said, I think I was only like 18 or 19. So I'm still very young and naive. And I'm, I'm, I'm not hip to, to this whole different type of lifestyle. Because, you know, growing, growing up in foster care, I was very sheltered. Um, so we're there and um, the, the girl gets sick of us being there. So we leave from there. Now we're staying in an abandoned house with two other drug addicts. There is no water, but there's electric um and it's winter time and um so we're staying there the police show up and um so we end up staying there for a little while we end up leaving from there and um we <laughs> go out west to his uncle's and um we're out there you know he's meeting different drug dealers out there his uncle's always flirting with me or whatever. And he, he, at this point, like I've been completely faithful to him. And um, he kept accusing me of having sex with his uncle. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. I haven't done nothing with him. I'm like, but if you keep accusing me of it, I'm going to do it. So, you know, our addiction is full blown now. Um, I get this grant money to go to school. And um, 
I caught my first case with him riding around in the stolen van. He was trying to steal some steel security doors from his place. And um, we both went to jail. He got bonded out. I sat there for like 13 days. My school money hit. He bonded me out of jail. But I'm missing like $600 from my school money, you know. He had done but not buying all these drugs. He um, he had got a stolen car from someone. He bought a car from someone. And when he came to pick me up from Joe, he had this little diamond ring and he proposed to me in the middle of the jail. <laughs> like, I love you. I'm sorry. Can we get married? And I'm like, okay, you came for me. And, um, you know, and while I'm in jail, you know, I detox. And I'm just... So the night before I went to jail, he was trying to shoot me up and the needle broke off in my arm. So I've been at the hospital and they're like, we can't get the needle out. It's just going to have to be there. So my arm is sore. And um, so we get arrested that day and they're um, taking me in and I have this needle in my arm and I'm like, please be gentle. And um, so like I said, he got bonded out. And when he came to pick me up from jail, like I said, he proposed to me when we get outside to the car. Um, he has a light bulb that's blown out to make a bubble. And um, he's got bath salts, hair, bath salts and heroin. And while I was in jail, I done made this decision. Like, okay, I already detoxed. I'm good. I don't want to get high no more. I don't want to live like this. Um, but as any addict knows, if it's there in front of us and we're not truly ready, we pick up. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I ended up start using again. He had um, took me out west to this guy's house that he had met, and um, we went to his house and we was getting high together. And um, so then that's how I got introduced to his uncle, where we ended up staying at. And um, there was a drug dealer that used to come over every day that was supposed to have been a cousin or whatever, and he liked me as well. So um, because he kept accusing me of having sex with these people, and I wasn't doing it. I finally did it, you know, and um, he was like, how do you keep getting these drugs? And da, da, da. I'm like, I don't know. They just give them to me. And um, so eventually I, I, his uncle had went to jail and there was another d- a drug addict staying there. And um, we ended up getting kicked out of there. So um, now we're living in the garage behind the house. You know, there's there's no water. There's no nothing in this in this garage. Um, so we leave from there and, um, he was like, you need to get help. You need to get clean. I'm like, why do I got to get clean? You're getting high just like me. Um, so I, I try to go check myself in the net cage and they're like, they just take me in for 24 hours. That's it. And they set me free. And he had ran back to his sisters like he always does. And, um, she didn't like me. Uh, she's like, you're no good for him. Da, 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 da. So I, I go home. I go back to my family where I'm from. And um, I go down there. I detox. I get a job. I'm working. And here he comes again. And he comes and gets me. He's like, he came down and he had a bunch of weed. And he was like, I'm clean now. I just smoke weed. And I'm like, okay. So like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hang out with him where I'm spending the night with him in a hotel room. He keeps going to the bathroom. And I'm like, what are you doing in the bathroom? And um, so we did that for a couple of days. I got paid on that Friday and he came and picked me up. And um, 
brought me back to the city and it was like the cycle started all over again and um so then he's working at a tire shop and um we're walking home one day from the job we meet this guy comes up he's like here I got testers the guy gave him uh, some crack so he tried it he liked it so now he's stuck on stupid spending all this money with with the guy and he his sister is like okay I'm just done y'all because she finally let me back because I was clean so she let me back in her house and then she was just like I'm done with this like y'all gotta go so we end up staying with him um so his sister had got him a job at a um tire shop to fix a motor in a, in a, a truck but when he fixed the motor in the truck he stole the truck which had like 20 grand worth of rims brand new in the back of the truck so he steals the truck and essentially like you you just did this and i got you this job da, 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 da. so when he stole the truck he took him to the dope boy unloaded all the rims and sold it so now the money's gone he can't go to work and the drug dealer tells him like I think you should have Shelby start selling herself. Um, so things just went from bad to worse. Um, next thing I know, the guy's like, come here, hit this, suck this, do this. And he was giving me drugs. And of course, you know, I'm an addiction or not. You know, it's like, oh, it's not nothing I haven't done before. And um. So he starts it with me and then that's when he approached my boyfriend like you know you should just let her go sell herself she can get money you'll be able to stay high all the time and so that's what happened um my boyfriend got jealous very quickly like he would follow me around um watching me get in and out of cars as soon as I get out the car he would take the money from me and um so that's when I started becoming trafficked um so um I'm dealing with that and yeah so we're staying with him they get evicted from the house and they get another house um but me and my boyfriend still staying there and at this point um full-fledged into prostitution and being trafficked so I'm bringing guys to the house when you say trafficked who was trafficking you what do you mean um the the drug dealer and him okay um they would they would make me they would follow me around they would watch me get in and out of cars as soon as I was done take the money from me tell me oh here this person wants to see you they're going to pay you this much and I'm taking this um so in the process of them moving I was at the house by myself and this guy showed up <clears throat> I'd never seen him before I don't know who he was knocks on the door and I'm like look I can't let him be in the house I was told not to even open the door so I'm talking through the guy through the window because I'm not opening the door because I'm not trying to get in trouble because this drug dealer's done pulled guns on me before and I've seen him beat other females up so I'm just like I just don't want them problems so the guy was like you're gonna regret this you don't know who I am and I'm like okay well I'm sorry I just can't want you in the house so um the dude came back to the house and the guy that had came while he was gone was sitting out front in a parked car. And um, 
they get out and they come, he gets out and he follows them into the house and he introduces himself to me. And I'm like, Hey, um, and the, the, the drug dealer was like, Hey, he wants to do a date with you. Come over to my new house. So I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, I don't, I don't really have a choice. Cause I'm not, I'm not trying to face the consequences of if I say no. So I go over there and, uh, they like start talking we're sitting we're all sitting around together and we're talking then the guy was like come on let's go upstairs so I go upstairs with him and uh I have intercourse with him and while we're doing this like he's questioning me like how old are you where are you from how long have you been here are you staying here um you know all these weird random questions that didn't make sense to me so when we was done he had placed um some dope in the window for it was like an 80 of crack in the window for me and he was like I'll see you again um so he left and I left and like the next night the drug dealer called me like hey well, you need to come over here so I come over here and it's the same guy um he wants to see me he wants to take me out to eat you know and my picker is still broken at 30 years old and almost four years clean. My picker is still broken. So <laughs> nothing's changed there. Um, so I'm like, yet again, he's doing all these things for me. He cares about me. He likes me. He wants what's best for me, you know, all this. So, um, but I'm still in active addiction. He don't know that I'm doing here when he just thinks I smoke crack. Um, so when he would leave and go to work, the drug dealer would be like, you got to go out and get some money. Um, so that's what I would have to do. And, um, so while I would be gone, the guy would be calling me like, where are you at? Why are you not answering your phone? Why are you not at the house? I called him. He said, you're not there. And because he didn't know that I was being trafficked. Um, so, um, the drug dealer, like it becomes like even more controlling over me. Uh, <clears throat> I went to jail and when I went to jail the boyfriend that I had 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 just vanished from thin air like he was nowhere to be found I couldn't reach him his phone was off I called his family nobody knew anything so I went to the drug dealer because that's the only thing I knew because I, I, I'm not from here I don't have no family no nothing here so I go to the drug dealer and you know yet again I'm in jail I was in jail and I'm like okay I don't want to get high no more um but you know you go to the barbershop you're going to get that cut eventually so I went and I'm over there and he's smoking crack because he smokes crack as well. And he has a girlfriend who also smokes crack. And I'm sitting there and I'm like seeing it, I'm smelling it. And I start getting these urges. He's like, here, just hit it one time. And that one time sent me back to the races. And um, so the guy that he had introduced me to had paid him to let me stay there. Like he was paying him rent for me to stay there, giving him food stamps and everything for me to stay there. I didn't know this. So the, the drug dealer was like, if you're staying here, you got to pay your way. You got to pay to eat. You got to pay to do this. Is that? So he sent me back to what I always did. You know, sent me back to the block to walk and do dates. And there would be times when he would tell me like, go do this date. And before I could even finish the date, he's blowing my phone up. Like, where are you? I need that money. Bring it here now. And uh, at the time, I didn't see everything as what it is because it is this just keeps getting more and more twisted. So that same guy that I thought cared about me and liked me, um, because I think we're in a relationship together. 
Um, so I, I leave the drug dealer's house and I go to be with him. And, um, you know, he obviously sells drugs too. And he was one of those ones that would just want to give me a little bit of dope, then leave. You know, <laughs> any drug addict knows you cannot just give me like a dime and expect me to be fine for the rest of the day. It just It's just not going to work. Um, so we're living in an apartment complex and it's um, mainly Hispanics and they, they see me and they like me. So I start doing a date with one of them and they just start passing the word of mouth like, hey, here's her number. She's good, you know, and everything. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of them and he knows about this and you're making me come buy drugs from you with the money that I just got. So I go through the cycle with him. Um, I met him in 2013, 14 and um, it was an ongoing cycle with him. Um, he wouldn't, I ended up getting pregnant by him. Um, I have a son with him that's seven years old. Um, I went to rehab with, when I was pregnant with my son. I went to rehab to get clean and to do the right thing. And when I did, when I came home, he said this was going to be a house for me, him and my son. It would be a safe environment. It was anything but safe. He was selling drugs out of there. There was girls that he was having sex with that he was also trafficking. Um <clears throat> He didn't want me, but he didn't want no one else to have me. Um, so these girls are getting high. I'm seeing the dope and I'm, I'm telling him, like, I, I want to kill myself because I don't want to get high. Like, I don't want to get high no more. This is not what I want. Um, anytime I see their paraphernalia laying around, I'm throwing up the trash. He's going behind me, giving it back to him. And so eventually, you know, yet again, I start getting high and I tell him, like, cause I, I'd been stealing dope from him and I ran out of dope and I wanted to have sex and he didn't want to have sex with me. And I was like, well, you can either do it or somebody else will, and I'll get paid. And so that's what happened. He didn't want to, he didn't want to do it with me. So I left and that cycle started right back up. Um, I go to jail a few more times back and forth and, um, Every time I come home, it's, it's the same thing. Like I, I get clean because I'm in jail. You know, I'm not one of those people that can just go to jail for a day and come home. Like I'm always doing at least 30 days or more. And so I go to jail, I come back, you know, he's got these new girlfriends and SWAT's done raided the house. Once while I've been there, I lost my son because I was in the house with my son. And, um, so the house is now hot so I go to jail while I'm in jail he leaves this house and he goes to another house and <clears throat> I come home I'm doing like I'm doing good I'm not getting high um, I'm, I'm trying to focus on me and I try to avoid him as much as possible but for some reason I always drift back to him anytime I've relapsed it's got something to do with him whether I'm with him because of him him you know um <clears throat> so I I go home for a family reunion and I come back and instead of coming to see him like I'm moving with my best friends and um instead of picking up drugs I became an alcoholic but it was justifiable because it's not my drug of choice so it's fine 
Um, I didn't see it as a problem then because I'm like, it's fine. I don't have to have it. But now that I look back at it, like every day I woke up and I drank from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep. And um, he starts having me sell dope for him. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm not using it. And during this time, I meet someone and I really like them. And I, I tell him my whole background, you know, my story and stuff. And me and him vibe. He is now the father of my second, my, my second child, who is three. Um, so I met him in like 2017, 2017, the end of 2017. And um, so my my first son's father um, gets get sick or something and I come over to where he's at and he's having me sell his dope for him and while I'm selling his dope for him there's heroin and there's needles and I'm like okay ain't nobody paying attention here we go you know I'm like nobody will know everybody's asleep um but the phenomenon of craving kicked in and and now I can't stop doing heroin nobody really knows um so I'm I'm doing this for a couple of weeks and um excuse me. He ends up going to jail. And when he goes to jail, I have a custody hearing for my son a few days later. And like I said, I'm getting high. So um my second son's father came over and spent the night with me. So I didn't have time to to get well before I went to court. So addict thinking, I'm just going to take this to court with me, you know, knowing I got to go through metal detectors and all this, but my brain didn't process that I'm going to being when I go through. I have a warrant. And so I go through and um, I, I go to jail. Um, I'm with the jail on Valentine's Day. So I'm in there for 21 days. When I get released, you know, my first baby dad's still in jail. So I'm safe. I ain't got to deal with him. Um. But, you know, just like I didn't have nobody any other time I came home from jail, my second baby dad was there, you know. Um, so I went to be with him. Um, when my first baby dad got out of jail, he started reaching out to me and um, trying to get in contact with me. But I was trying to avoid him I, and stuff like that. So um, I had to take my second baby dad's kids not his kids his sister's kids to school and I didn't have a license and so I took them to school and I got caught speeding so I got pulled over they impounded the car and um my first baby dad is all like he's my biggest downfall but he'll rescue me anytime you know anytime I need money or drugs I know he's there like I, I know I can depend on him for that so I call him I'm like hey I just got this car impounded uh, I need help so I go see him and I get the money and um, one of his customers is there and I borrow their vehicle to go pick up my boyfriend to go get his car out of impound. But I just got impounded with my baby dad's money. So the guy was like, do not go to the police station with this car. Okay, I don't listen. I don't follow rules. I went to the police station with the car. Next thing I know, they're talking about the car's been reported stolen. So now my first baby dad has to come to the police station. Um, well, he don't have to. He just pops up and he's like, oh, I, I knew he was going to do this. You're still messing with him and all this. Um, so things just like start to spiral out. Um, so while I was in jail for those 21 days, I found out I was pregnant. 
Um, so I, when I come home, I make a doctor's appointment, I go to the doctor and when I take the pregnancy test, I start bleeding. Right. So I'm like, okay, this isn't good. I already know. And, um, so I was dealing with that. The guy, my, my second baby daddy cheated on me while I was in jail and I lost custody of my first son. So it was a lot of stresses and triggers and probably more of excuses than anything. Um, and I'm dealing with my first baby dad again. So I start getting high. And um, within a month of miscarrying that baby, I ended up pregnant again. And I'm in full-blown addiction and I can't stop. Um, I would say I want to stop, but I can't stop because, uh, you know, oh, it's going to hurt the baby because I'm doing heroin. So it's going to make the baby sick. It's going to hurt the baby, could kill the baby. So I keep using these excuses to get high at this point. Um, now I'll be posted online to do um, dates from online uh, so they can come meet me in the hotel room or I could go to them. And uh, while I'm doing this, you know, the money's all going back to him, um, to my first baby dad. So um, October 16th of 2018, I was in a car that was stolen. I didn't know it was stolen. It was one of my baby's dad's customers' cars. So he told me and he ended up going to the hospital. And when he was in the hospital, he called me like, hey, come get the car because I don't want it impounded from here. I'm like, okay, I didn't think nothing of it. But because in my mind, like you just giving me transportation to move around more. So um, I decided to go to the Subutech doctor, doctor because I want to get clean because I'm seven, seven and a half months pregnant. You can't even tell I'm pregnant. And, you know, I, I need to do right by my child. So um, I was leaving the doctor and I got pulled over in a stolen car. So I went to jail and um, so my clean date is 10, 17, 18. So on October 17th of this year, I'll have four years. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I do that and I'm in jail. I have no family, nobody to take this baby. I don't know what to do. So I start working with the organization that I was connected with. And only by God's grace and mercy, they took my baby for me. Um, the judge was refusing to let me out because I was pregnant. I was in active addiction. And um, so I gave birth to my second son on January 27th of 2019. And my, um, the organization I worked with, uh, which is previously known as Safe Families, which is now called My Village. It's a nationwide program that helps mothers with their kids. Like if, if a mom's going through something, they can reach out to them and they'll help. Um, just, you know, it's like a safety net for for, pe for parents. So they took my son for me, and went, um, you know, because I was in active addiction. So when I went to jail, I wasn't thinking about me or my kid's future, you know? Um, so when I got released from jail on... February 20th, my friend that had had my son through the organization came to pick me up and transport me to rehab. I went to a, um, it was supposed to have been like a 60 to 90 day program. I made it like a 120 day program. I wasn't ready to leave. Um, but when I got released from jail, she was there with my son and transported me to treatment. And I completed that program. And while I was in that program, I made the decision within myself that I refused to go back to my first baby dad. I refuse to have any contact with him because it's finally starting to sink in. Anytime I deal with you, I fall. Um, and maybe that's some placing the blame because, you know, it's not ultimately his fault. It's my fault too. Um, 
So I do the treatment, you know, I graduate, I uh, move back home to where I'm from. I get a job, I get a house, a car. Um, at 13 months sober, God gave me a life changer. And um, it's, it's still something I'm currently going through now. So because of my association and my affiliation with my first baby dad and him selling drugs and um, the trafficking, uh, they connected me with the case because some of the girls would do dates with me and, or they would be in a hotel room with me or we used together or anything like that. So um, on November 19th of 2019, um, indictments came out. I got indicted on three F1s, an F3 and an F4. Um, I had um, kidnapping, trafficking in a person's, organized crime, um, engaging in a pattern of corrupt activity, um, compelling and promoting prostitution. Um, November 21st of 2019, I went to jail. Um, I was in there for two and a half years. I just got released from jail on June 6th of this year. Um, I current last week I had to go meet with the prosecutor because I agreed to testify against I have five co-defendants. I agreed to testify against my co-defendants trying to save some other somebody else's life. Um, so I'm currently like prepping for trial and um, just just trying to prepare myself to have to take the stand to share my story. Um, so I start trial on October 11th. So like I'm really nervous about it and it's like um. Something I've noticed for me is every time it gets around a milestone, my life gets real crazy and real hectic. And it's like, that's the devil and that's my disease trying to show up. Um, And being in my program has not been 100% easy walk in the park because um, me, I I don't like rules and I don't like like regulations. um, And some of my old behavior started to show up. And so I got in some trouble and I had some consequences and I was, I was just done. I was checked out. I cried and I cried and I was like, I'm leaving the program. I don't care. I'm doing whatever I got to do to get out of here. Um, so um, that's pretty much my story. That's your story. <laughs> it's quite a story you have. Thank you. So what kind of things are you doing nowadays? Like, What's a daily routine for you? How do you stay sober? Um. For me, I stay sober. Um, I go to group every Monday through Friday, every day. Um, I do morning groups because I'm a, uh, I'm officially an IOP person. So, you know, graduated to that. Um, you know, I, I'm a big support person. I'm working the 12 step program. And most importantly, I'm working with a sponsor and taking suggestions. Um, because Shelby's will and Shelby's way gets me nowhere. So I gotta, I gotta be open-minded and realize that this is a we program and that um, other people can help me more than I can realize. And sometimes even the newcomer of the room can give me something that I, that I've not um, experienced or heard. Um, I'm, I'm very positive and outgoing, and I try to help anybody in any way I can. Um, you know, because I'm in an all women's program, and there's roughly like 35 women here, some new, some old. 
But um, anytime I see one of my peers struggling, like uh, I step outside of myself and just to give back because that's the only way I'm going to keep what I have is by being humble and giving back um, what was so freely given to me. Um, I do meetings. Um, I do seven meetings a week, um, five in person, two Zooms. So I just try to stay as active as I can in my recovery. And um, I look back and I remember where I was and I don't ever want to be that person again. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. Proud of you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, people don't realize what a struggle it is on top of having addiction issues to have to go through all the other stuff that you went through and what it does to you mentally. Yeah. So yeah, we're getting towards the end here. Is there anything else that you would like to add or say to people that are listening? Um, I just pray that every person can find it into the rooms before it's too late. Um, so many people are, are dropping in and for survivors of drug addiction, survivors of human trafficking, um, of, of domestic abuse and sexual violence speak up and you have a voice like um it's not always going to be easy but by you speaking up and sharing your story and your testimony you can save somebody else's life um and i think that's about all i got all right great well i really appreciate you coming on the podcast today thank you for having me no it was a pleasure all right so sit tight for me and for everybody watching and listening. If you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also, subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can also check us out on Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok. You can also check out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you will find plenty of free literature as well as resources. And also, Addicts Anonymous has a book coming out. I will keep you posted as to when the date will be for its release, and uh, we'll probably take some pre-orders. So. That's all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed. And until next time.